Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing, my my dear? I'm good. I'm back in Buffalo. Going to be 40 today. Oh. Oh. Now I know why I should move to Florida. I know. You, yeah, that's right. You just got back from uh, uh, finishing up some uh, some very exciting boot camps down at Orange County National. And uh, I know last week you talked a little bit about that, but how did everything wrap up? It was great. It was great. Nobody cried, which is good. <laughs> Not even Alan, right? So. <laughs> well, maybe he did. But. <laughs> All right, we got a great show for you this morning. <clears throat> and again, uh, I apologize, everyone. I got a little gravelly voice this morning, but uh, we'll power through it here together. Um, all right, we got a great show this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here momentarily by our very uh, special guest, Mike Nichols. He's the chief business officer for the LPJ Epson Tour. He's going to be uh, kicking off a new season and telling us about their new title sponsor and uh, many other things, of course, as we uh, power through the show. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Gary uh, DeSerrano. He's the senior managing partner at K&G Sports LLC. He'll be joining us on the second half. Uh, so hopefully we'll stick around for that. So, uh, Cindy, uh, Mike's been on so many times, I don't think we have to get into a, a long introduction. Uh, the audience is quite familiar with him. So let's welcome uh, our first guest this morning, Mike Nichols. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Doing great. We're doing fantastic. Um, let me ask you, Mike. First off, uh, obviously, as I mentioned in the uh, in the uh, segment, that um, you guys have a new uh, tour title sponsor. Uh, tell us about that and uh, some of the exciting things that we can expect for 2022. Yeah, so uh, super excited to welcome uh, Seiko Epson Corporation on as the uh, title sponsor for the uh, what we call the official qualifying tour of the LPGA Tour, formerly known as the Symmetra Tour. So for at least the next five years, it will now be known as the Epson Tour. And um, what makes this partnership unique is well, there's a lot of elements to it, but um, the uh, contract and every, all of the uh, discussions that we had have been with the, the home office in Japan. So um, the contract was done with Japan. And so what it's, I think it speaks to is that even though we're a domestic tour, we play all 21 of our events here in the United States, 
that a company in Japan would look and say, hey, you know, this is, even though it's a domestic tour, is a, is a global property. And I think uh, the fact that we're mm-hmm. attracting players from around the world um, year after year and, and they're finding success, I think, is ultimately what uh, attracted the, the folks in Japan at Seiko Epson Corporation to, uh, to put their name on it. That's fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the other things that we can expect. I mean, it, um, I, I know some of them, but I want to let you, uh, uh, we've sort of been keeping it silent here on the show once we, we found out, uh, but some of the other things that they're bringing uh, to the tour this season. Yeah, well, it was really interesting conversations. And when we first started talking to them, you know, in most cases, uh, you kind of start, the pitch typically starts with, okay, it'll be, the Epson tour and here's all the places that will show up and here's sort of the benefits that you'll receive and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, the folks that we were talking to sort of said, well, 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 you know, before we put our name on this, we want to make sure that in some way, shape or form, our support for this tour is going to impact the players. So, you know, what can we ultimately do to build into the package that's going to impact the players? And so they kind of said, go back and find, you know, three big ideas that we could maybe build into a package so sort of put together a menu so i kind of came back with three ideas um you know first of which was to to lower the entry fees for the players um the second mm-hmm. of which was to uh, get to a minimum purse level of two hundred thousand dollars and then finally the idea of creating an ambassador program for the 10 players who graduate to give them a little bit of seed money so that when they're starting their first season on the on the LPGA tour, having just graduated, the first thing they're not worried about is the bills and their credit cards and that kind of stuff, but sort of giving them that bridge seed money. Our season finishes at the end of October. The LPGA season sort of starts in late January, early February. So, you know, they kind of have four months where they're not earning any money, but the bills don't stop coming in. So um, right. we sort of presented three ideas with the, with the thinking that, hey, maybe they'll pick one, and that will sort of be the focal point of what we build the partnership around and they say we love all three of those ideas you know let's figure out how we can incorporate all three of them so um it's really you know in in a time when you know companies are looking and saying you know what can we do in the women's empowerment space what can we do in dei to make a difference you know i think um you know they're obviously a company who's putting their money where their mouth is and uh I know the players are extremely grateful and extremely excited to get the season started yeah and i know from conversations with some of the players that that Cindy and I have had over the last several years um, that obviously, you know, monetary issues are are a big factor. I mean, like you said, um, you know, they're not always able to play every single event for whatever reason, and uh, but the bills still keep coming in. So I think, you know, again, lowering the entry uh, fees to to get in is is obviously a a great first step, and then obviously increasing the the purse uh, amount as well. Uh, gives them a, a little bit more, um, you know, once they do win or, or get into a top position, uh, gives them a little bit more of a cushion as well, um, and uh, just so many other things. I think it's a great partnership, and uh, it says a lot uh, for the title sponsor to, to really step up in that way. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Mike, let me ask you, we have a one of our students who's just starting out, and she's going to go play in the uh, she played in one event in Florida with the new Women's East Coast Tour, and then she's going over to Texas to play. And, again, I don't know if our listeners understand that when you do this, you have to pay all your own bills and entry fees, you know, traveling expenses, caddy fees, hotel rooms, food, all that stuff. And how long, two questions, 
how much does it cost typically to play the Symmetra all year, and how many years do most players need to be out there to become proficient enough to graduate to the LPGA Tour? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, Cindy, you're going to have to put a dollar in the jar because it's now Epson. So you got to put you got to put a dollar in the, in the jar for saying Symmetra. So um, we'll we'll charge that to your <laughs> charge that to your LPGA member account. But that's fine. Um, the um, so it, you know it varies. You know a lot of the things um, that uh, we've been very fortunate. So for example, on the player entry fees, you know every player is going to essentially get a thousand dollars back. Every player who's over the course of a twenty event season, if the players play all twenty events, the reduction in entry fees means a thousand dollars per player that Epson has stepped up to uh, to help underwrite the fees. So that's a significant amount. But to answer your question, mm-hmm. it's sort of it's typically in the range I've heard of anywhere from sort of twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Over the course of the mm. season, now you know in entry fees that can be somewhere around, you know, ten thousand dollars. Now nine thousand dollars, thanks to Epson. But uh, and also um, staying in host housing, which um, you know a bunch of our players will forego, you know, staying ho- to- in hotels if we can provide host housing. Now during the pandemic, that was limited, if not eliminated, at some point. So you know that's another expense that is um, typically would be incremental to sort of this twenty to thirty thousand dollar number, but it's not an inexpensive undertaking for sure. And, you know, the other element of it with the purses is, is, you know, to get to a $200,000 purse may not sound like a lot in the world of, you know, multi-million dollar purses. You know, the guy who won the Honda Classic last week won 1.4 million. He won 1.4 million, right? Our players are playing for 200,000. So it may not sound like a lot, but at least at a $200,000 level, the players who make the cut are making back their entry fee plus a little extra money. And when I started with the tour, mm-hmm. a player making the cut wasn't even assured of getting her entry fee back, which was sort of crazy. I mean, just if you make the cut, you should at least get your, your entry fee back. So, you know, it's somewhere in that, um, in that neighborhood um, to keep it, uh, keep it going. So, like the last couple of years, I would say you'd have to probably finish about 40th on the – on the money list to probably be in a break-even situation. Um, and again, that's, that's just the cost of like traveling on the tour. It doesn't necessarily cover, you know, the cost of, you know, your, your apartment or any of those sort of other ancillary expenses that you might be uh, uh, recurring expenses back home. And then in terms of how long it takes, I would say that probably the, given the fact that we turn over about a third of our membership every year, I would say it's probably, kind of a three-year journey uh, where players will come out and within that three years have a pretty good idea of where they, you know, stack up on the Epson tour. And if, you know, if you're not in a situation where you've necessarily graduated from the Epson tour in those three years, you know, that uh, the likelihood of you having success if you were to make it onto the LPGA tour is, you know, much more remote. And so that's kind of, I would say, when players start reevaluating. But there's, there's plenty of other, you know, there's players like, you know, we always famously talk about Mo Martin, who I think was on the Epson Tour for six or seven years, graduated to the LPGA Tour. She's been, you know, a cut maker, you know, as we all know, doesn't miss a fairway, hits it straight down the middle, makes cuts, and has had earned a very good living and won a major championship. So not everybody's on the same timeline, but I would say sort of three years is a, probably a pretty good judge of whether somebody um, has what it takes. Awesome, Chad. So let me ask you. Pardon me. Um, you you mentioned about housing that that it uh, can also be made available. In that how many uh, typically per event are available if the players should choose to uh, 
to do that as opposed to going to a hotel? Is that something that could be available for all of the players, or is it just a percentage, um, sort of a first-come, first-serve? How does that work? Yeah, so it's sort of like half of the players will typically stay in host housing, and um, what we do is we, we – if you think about it sort of in terms of beds, so um, we, we reserve all of the host housing and beds for players. So if a player is traveling with their um, significant other or their parents or whatever, their coach or caddy, whatever it may be, they have to stay in a hotel because what we want to do is if there's a limited number of beds, we want to reserve sure. them for the players as to, you know, a player and her entourage, you know, and now that's taking away beds <laughs> from other players. So I would say typically – Typically, about half the players will stay in host housing. But, you know, definitely during the pandemic, what was interesting is a lot of players seem to have gravitated toward sort of the Airbnb Verbo model where, you know, instead of staying in a hotel, they can get a house nearby and, you know, you can split a house five ways. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, you have a place to cook and do laundry and all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot going to see a lot more of that going forward for the players who um, can't stay in the uh, host housing for whatever reason. Yeah, and it, it makes a lot of sense for them to do that, really, because, um, you know, a lot of them, as we've experienced here on the show a number of times when we've, uh, you know, had the pleasure of interviewing them, um, they'll talk about that so-and-so is their friend, and they've made a lot of friends on the tour over the years, and uh, so they kind of buddy up and partner up, if you will, and some of them will even travel together to, to events as well just to, to help absorb, uh, you know, share some of the costs so it makes a lot of sense, and uh, and now you know with with technology, I mean you can just get on your you know your iPhone or smartphone, and you can search out all this information uh, very quickly, and um, you know book something in time once you know what events you're going to be in. Typically, <clears throat> Mike, for for players, I mean you have 21 events that you're having this year. Um, how many events on average do most of the players play? I mean I don't imagine that every single player plays all 21 events because that's a pretty uh, a pretty robust schedule for some. Um, what typically is the number of events on average, do you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, but it's hard to sort of say the average, but I would say of players who are, I would say, you know, going for their card or sort <clears> of are in the hunt for their card or in the hunt to, to, to advance to the final stage of, of Q school, they're probably playing 19 out of the 21 events. Um, we've done a pretty good job of creating sort of three weeks on, one week off scenarios mm -hmm. where um, there are breaks. But it, there will be times where we'll play four or five in a row and a player can't do that. Or, for example, you might look on our schedule and it may look like we have a week off, which we do, but it's the Women's Open. So for those players right. who get into the Women's Open, it's not a week off. And so that means a bunch of events in a row. And then, you know, that's such a grind that – you know, maybe they'll take a week off before or after. So, um, but I typically 19 to 20, you know, 19 of the 21 events, I would expect top players to play. But we've certainly had some situations where uh, last uh, year, Rasheen Liu, who finished, I think, number five, she got to about mm -hmm. halfway through. She won, the, like, two of the first three events, if not the first two yes. events. And by the time we yes, did July, it was sort of like, that's, well, that's good. You know, like, she just went home to – went home to China because she knew she was within the number and Madeline Sagstrom the year that uh, she was player of the year. I think she only played in 12 of probably 23 events. I can't remember how many events we had that year, but we probably had about 23 events. So she might be only played in two thirds of them because she was playing a split schedule on the LET. And so, 
you know, it, you don't, if you have, you know, some strong finishes, the, the top players might say, you know what, I'm just going to go try to do a couple Mondays because I'm, I'm in good shape over here. But for players who are sort of right in that, you know, not uh, confident of their position, they're going to probably play, mo- you know, most of them, just because obviously the idea of sitting at home and watching people pass you has got to be, you know, tough to take. Right, exactly. Um, Cindy, I don't know if you remember, but Rayshin Liu, uh, who uh, was our first guest last season, um, and you were correct, Mike, she did win the first two events. What was interesting about her story was uh, she was uh, last year, or the previous year, sorry, in uh, late 2020, she was back over in China, and I uh, remember her saying that she had either a foot or ankle injury uh, and didn't pick up a golf club until about a week before the first event last season and ended up coming out winning it. Um, which was pretty, uh, you know, amazing. F- the fact that she, uh, you know, had, didn't touch a, a golf club or, or, or uh, hit a golf ball for, you know, f- several months, and then comes out the week before the event and ends up winning it, and then turns around and wins the next event. And I think she was actually, if not runner-up, very close on the third event as well. So uh, a- an interesting uh, young lady for sure. And I know now she's off uh, uh, playing on the. Um, because she did obviously earn her cards off playing the uh, the LPJ tour and that, but she's been a real strong player uh, throughout the uh, you know the Epson tour for the last several years. Um, so, Mike, what what do you have? You know, what you, you've worked on the schedule now. You've got everything in place. Uh, you've got the new title sponsor and that. What do you yourself personally? What do you really look forward to now that everything's sort of nightly you know nicely wrapped up in a bow and, and whatnot and ready to go. What do you look forward to as the season progresses? Well, um, you know, ultimately, you know, what we're it, – it's sort of funny. You kind of have two – you have sort of an eye over here, and then you also have an eye on what's going on on the, the LPGA Tour itself. So, you know, we uh, – you know, we're obviously – you're not supposed to have a rooting interest, uh, like say no cheering in the press box, but we certainly – are right. keeping a close eye on how our graduates are, you know, both our recent graduates and, um, you know, not too distant uh, graduates are doing on the LPGA tour. But, you know, I would say, you know, on the, what we're doing on the Epson tour is just, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, new events that we've got coming up in uh, Ann Arbor where we're returning to a golf course where the LPGA tour used to play at Travis Point Country Club. So that's exciting because, you know, anytime we can go to a place the LPGA has played in the past, it's obviously a, a good test and uh, by, you know, by extension, uh, recognition of what players will see when they get on the, uh, on the LPGA tour. We've got a new event in Oregon, which will make uh, the players just traveling out to the Pacific Northwest. We, we had a great first year event last year in, in Idaho at circling Raven golf course, which is the number one golf course in, uh, in Idaho. So that was a, a treat. Players loved that trip, but it was kind of a one that you kind of had to go up and come back. So we've added an event in Oregon at Wild Horse Golf Club that's uh, going to be excellent. And then we've added an event in Tuscaloosa, a Jerry Pate designed golf course there that uh, is, as you both know, we have a track record both on the LPGA and Epson Tour of University of Alabama players and uh, actually mm-hmm. a defending champion this week. Uh, Florida's natural is uh, Janie Jackson from the University of Alabama. So it's cool to go to a town that will uh, will certainly appreciate the uh, these uh, these players and see some of their uh, former alums in the field. So we're excited about that. And then we've got uh, sort of the highest uh, purse in tour history at the French Lick Charity Championship on the, the Pete Dye Golf Course. So what's cool about that is that the purse of $335,000 is highest purse in tour history. 
And uh, what that means is the person who wins that event will win $50,000 for that win alone. And my first full year running the Epson Tour in 2013, the number one player on the tour over the course of 15 events won $47,000. So the person who wins this one event will win more money than the number one player did in 2013. So a uh, hugely impactful event, and uh, it's going to be a great challenge uh, on, the, on the Pete Dye golf course there. That's fantastic. I know that they're going to be excited uh, to play that. It's a, a beautiful area as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Mike, let me ask you, what does Epson get out of this other than, needless to say, lots of promotion and stuff? Are they going to do any corporate events? Are they going to have, bring in people, customers? What do they get for their huge investment in helping out all the players in the tour? Yeah, well, I think what's, um, what's interesting about it is that they, um, you know, unlike uh, Symmetra, who probably needed the, the brand recognition and the lift associated with having their name on the tour for the past 10 years that we've traveled around the country, given their sort of their national footprint and uh, helping them with their business as we around the country and all the sort of the various pockets we move to. Epson doesn't need the name recognition, right? They've got Shaquille O'Neal. He's in an advertisement, as I joke, with their CMO seemingly every other minute, every other ad. There's a there's an Epson tour ad for the Rico Tank printer, but um, they're going to be entertaining uh, customers in their um, in their pro ams. So we've got some folks who are coming into Winter Haven this week. I looked at the, you know, at who's coming in from uh, their customers, and I think of the of the what do they have six uh, four guests that they're entertaining. They've got three CEOs and a CMO in the group. So you know, obviously, the, their customers are. Um, coming out and uh, hopefully we're helping them uh, write new business. But at the same time, I think what Epson is also trying to do is um, sort of, you know, live what they're trying to, uh, what they're espousing in terms of they, they have something called Epson 25, which is sort of their vision of where they want their company to be in 2025. And so, um, one of the things they want to do is have a more inclusive workplace, and I think what they were trying to do through this um, sponsorship of the tours to sort of live their values um, in a way in, in sponsoring in the women's sports so that it's it's seen as something that's real when they when they roll out Epson 25 as opposed to something where they're just saying that, that, that they believe in it and not necessarily living it day to day. So I think it's really helping them with those sort of two key objectives. That's great. That's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a great season. We're certainly, Mike, uh, very excited to uh, host the uh, the winners coming up this year. Um, I know they're going to be excited with a lot of the changes that are happening. Uh, all obviously uh, very positive changes and uh, some new venues to play as well. It's always nice to have a few new uh, golf courses in the mix to challenge your uh, uh, your medal, as it were, out there. So we're really excited for that, and we appreciate. Uh, always, uh, Mike, that you can come on and, and share uh, uh, some of your thoughts and insight and, and uh, sharing, obviously, some good news. So we appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy, so we're going to let you uh, go a couple of minutes early. But uh, as always, you're always welcome to come back, and I know you'll be back uh, towards the end of the season to wrap up as well. But good luck this year, Mike, and thank you, as always, for uh, uh, your support in the program and, and allowing us to, uh, to uh, showcase uh, the many winners along the way. 
Well, uh, again, I appreciate uh, your support of the the tour and having our winners on. I always appreciate sort of starting the season and kicking off or ending the season with you all. And then the only thing I would ask is just uh, take it a little easy on Gary on this um, the next, second portion of this uh, this your show here. He's he's a good guy, so I don't just uh, don't grill him too badly. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. Mike, thank you very much. Uh, again, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your, your time with us here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Cindy, <clears throat> excuse me. It sounds like they've got a lot of uh, exciting things happening this year, and um, um, I know I'm, I'm looking forward to the, again, he, as he mentioned, the Florida Natural Charity Classic is uh, beginning this week, their first event, and uh, so we should have a, a winner uh, for next week's show. Hopefully everything will go well and weather permitting and so forth. But um, we got a couple of minutes, and I thought I'd give you a chance to uh, uh, talk a little bit more about wrapping up at your boot camp. So how did the second week? At last week you uh, you were talking about uh, finishing up with the juniors, and this uh, last second week uh, you had uh, sort of a, a regular group there. Tell us a little bit about how that went. It went really well. We had eight people, and it's funny that all uh, seven of the eight people are returning customers. Most people that come to boot camp, if you're the right fit, which means you're committed, dedicated, and serious and want to get better at golf, uh, tend to come back. And this group Mm -hmm. has kind of made friends. And one of the women from Washington, D.C., brought a friend from Texas, and the friend said to her, well, how long have you known these people? She said, I met them once for five days at a golf school in Orlando, and now we're all pretty good buddies. So Mm -hmm. it was easy because they all get along. Sometimes, um, not that it's it's more difficult, but it's just, it's better because they all go have a beer at the end. And they, you know, one of the nights they sat there and drove the people at the country club nuts and had a really good time and kind of, I guess they got a little rowdy. Um, but they had a ball, and the people at the club the next day were teasing them all. Anyway, it went great. Everybody gets better. We start every day with a morning meeting. We do assessments, behavior, motivation, mental golf work, and then we go to the range or the putting green or the bunker. We chip, we putt, we do everything, then we have lunch, and then we play 18 holes every day. So it's not a golf vacation. It's a lot of fun. Um, we do have a couple spots open for April, so if you're interested, email me at cindy at cindymillergolf.com. We always go to Orange County National because they have two championship courses and then a nine-hole practice course called the Tooth with a couple par fours and a lot of par threes, but it's really uh, a great facility, and it's the largest driving range in the world, so it's awesome. Yeah, it's Matt. Yeah, it's massive. At the uh, the PGA merchandising show every year, they do the uh, demo days at Orange County National, and yeah, it's a it's a huge range. So there's plenty of room there to, to get out and practice your game, and and the courses are beautiful, as you said, and and uh, it's a it's a great facility for sure. And um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, it was kind of interesting what sort of caught my attention. Uh, you know, last week when you were mentioning, um, you know, because you're from you and Alan are from Buffalo. Uh, is not all these people are not coming from Buffalo. They're coming from all over the place, uh, Texas and Washington and, and other areas as well. So, you know, it's, your, your boot camps have really developed a far-reaching uh, audience or, or participation, if you will. Um, so it's not like you're just bringing a lot of locals uh, from Buffalo down. I'm sure, obviously, you have a lot of those too. But um, you're getting from other areas. So, obviously, 
Uh, they've been very successful over the years. You guys have been doing this for how many years now? Probably 22. And, yeah. and you know what's funny? So, some of the people that sign up, I, I ask them, you know, how did you find this? And mm-hmm. sometimes they'll say, well, I saw you on YouTube or I saw you on the Golf Channel. And I, and, and needless to say, if you listen to this radio show, you know, you know I'm a little quirky and a little right. different. And I'm, you could call me brutally honest. And I don't beat around the bush. So if you need to be patted on the head and hugged and stuff, I'll do that. But I'm also going to tell you why you missed the ball. And you're going mm-hmm. to get better if you pay attention. So I'm a little weird. Um, my husband is the nice guy, and but mm-hmm. he's brilliant. So again, people people watch or see and say, you know what? She's different. Maybe that's what I need is different. So we're very grateful. We well, have a lot of fun. We love doing it. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, I, it, it, you're exactly right, and and you are, and that that is very refreshing. That's one of the things I really enjoy about doing the show together with you. It's because you are very honest and upfront about things, and you don't beat around the bush, and and you you know you talk about real things that, um, you know, from your own experiences, and that's important. I think a lot of people, and it's not to say a criticism against the against the industry, but um, you know, you bring a lot of not only the the positive parts of 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 golf instruction but you bring some of the pitfalls of your own uh struggles that you've had out on tour from time to time and and you know you keep it real and and people resonate with that and they say you know what um <clears throat> she can relate to to what i'm struggling with here because she's had her own struggles out on tour and you know sometimes it's very intimidating for somebody to come to uh the lesson to you with you know they first thing they think golf professional and, oh god i'm gonna look like a a pile of whatever and uh, then they hear you know talking with you and they say you know what i've had uh, some pretty crappy days myself, and they say, oh, okay, well, let me hear about it a little bit, and when you share some of that with them, and then they kind of not maybe feel so bad about their own game, and that's not to say, I mean, I know you're a professional and, and uh, do very well, but you understand what I'm saying is that um, sometimes they have to be able to relate with the people that they're dealing with, and uh, the fact that, uh, and I knew, I knew you were nuts because Alan actually sent me a message once, and he said, I just want to forewarn you, my wife's a nut, so um, that was prior to us doing the show. <laughs> but, but uh, he he gave me the heads up, so I already knew that coming into this. So I, I you know, I knew I was putting my foot in in uh, in deep water there. But um, no, I'm just teasing you. But you know, it, it, you are, and, and and you know, what's really interesting, Cindy, too. And I just want to say one more thing, and then uh, we're going to bring Gary on. Um, you know, we've had so many great guests from the LPGA organization over the years on the show. Many other teaching pros and other players that that have been exposed to you over the years, and they always. I mean, I've never heard, and obviously they're not going to if they did, but, you know, they've never said an unkind thing. They have a deep respect for you um, and what you're doing, not only, you know, when you're out there battling it out amongst them playing, but also um, you're so involved with the organization, not just giving lessons, but involved in other areas uh, uh, of the administrative part of it and, and just um, really, you know, sort of sinking your teeth into the tour. and. And, and to the, uh, the teaching professional uh, division as well. And so people recognize that and they say, you know, this is somebody that really works hard and is really trying to grow the game. And um, so I'm not surprised uh, at the success that, that both you and Alan, of course, have uh, shared together with these boot camps. So uh, my hat's off well, to you if I was wearing one. one. Yeah. Well, maybe two things. So what I tell people, we did, we did a team building session with General Motors yesterday. So they had, they've got a couple of plants in Buffalo and we had their leadership team in. And I said, 
There is no one that's tried to get as good as I've tried to get or gotten that's been as screwed up as I've been that's willing to share that with you to help you get better. So I, once you open up the door, the closet door, and you allow people to see that you're flawed and screwed up, because everybody's screwed up, no offense, but everybody's got a pile, mm-hmm. then they right. can trust you because if you're honest with them, you know, everybody's got issues. So that's, that's my motto. And now we can move forward. Yeah. No, uh, and, and I got I to gotta admit, that's exactly what Alan said in his email that he sent to me. That word for word is exactly what he said. So kudos to you for a good memory. All right. Um, we got a very special guest joining us now, Gary uh, DeSerrano. He's the Senior Managing Partner at K&G uh, Sports LLC. Um, Cindy, let's just bring him out, and, and uh, we'll have a great discussion. Hi, Gary. Hey, good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Dallas. Nice. What's the temp going to be? I think we're going to be uh, low 70s today. Sun out. So Ooh. that's that's very Ooh. good for 1st of March, uh, late February. That's mm. awesome. So mm-hmm. tell us what you do. Well, that's that's interesting. I, I, I go to dinner with friends, and for 10 years, I, they still don't know what I do. But, the, but you know, the, in all honesty, <laughs> we, uh, we, we run professional golf tournaments uh, for players trying to get to the LPGA and the, and the Epson Tour uh, on the women's side. But we also additionally have a men's tour that's been around for 25 years that we've provided post-college uh, players access to uh, the Corn Ferry and the PGA. So we've been in the business for about 26 years now, and uh, we organize events for these young players, hoping that they can find their way to their dreams of playing either the LPGA or the PGA. Wow. Go. So, so Gary, let me ask you, um, now obviously your, your background is you've been a, a – you're a sports marketing executive now, and you've got uh, over 25 years of experience. Um, why did you transition to sports? What was it about sports? Because uh, you were obviously in other areas of, uh, of media and so forth, but um, why did you transition to sports? What was it that appealed to you, to what you're doing now? What was the, the thought process in transitioning to what you're doing now? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I had a very good career in the, in the media business, uh, but I played golf since I was a young boy my father taught all three of my brothers uh to play golf uh one of them was very successful went on to win a national championship with oklahoma state back in the uh, early 90s with coach holder uh and i just loved golf all my life i played it no matter uh, where i was in the business world and then when an opportunity came when my brother turned pro to get into the to the sports side of things and the operation side of it, I just took the marketing knowledge that I had in the sports business and brought that over to just the events management business. So did that about 29 years ago and have never looked back since. Now, are you guys involved um, in the scheduling as well uh, or just in the promotion and marketing of uh, the, the various tours? Well, we do it all. I mean, it's from scheduling to marketing to mining new sponsors to uh, getting uh, finding new host uh, 
facilities and cities, uh, you know, top to bottom, we, we're, we're a vertical integrated marketing company in the golf business. Yep. So when you're putting together a schedule, um, obviously you've got to plan well ahead, but um, and, and because you've been doing this for a while now, you've got obviously what we would classify as a lot of repeat customers. In other words, a lot of the venues that you know, have come back probably multiple years. Um, but as you were preparing for 2022, is that something that you know, once you sign off on 2021, meaning once you get 2021 schedule uh, put in place, are you automatically starting on 2022, sort of a year uh, process, or when do you start sort of uh, finalizing everything for this season? Well, in, in most years, uh, 20, we, we usually have things set about six months ahead of time. So if the first event is in March, you know, really by September, October, we have venues and sites locked in. On occasion, we have uh, new facilities or new cities that will call us and say, hey, we'd like you on the schedule, and we, we'd like to see if we can bring the ladies to town and, and put on a pro golf tournament, and we'll put those together late. But for the most part, I'm already working on 2023 and 2024 already, which has been a challenge here as of, as of late since golf has had this huge boom this last year, uh, year and a half with uh, the pandemic. I mean, more and more people play golf. So finding host facilities has been a bigger challenge over the last six months to a year, uh, especially new facilities. Yeah, there's a there's definitely been a huge uptick in in golf. Um, you know, if you were to pull a one positive thing out of the out of uh, the pandemic, that would be it. Um, golf has just seen such a, a, a and I know that just from trying to get out and play some of the local courses and that they're just booked solid. Um, so when you're putting this together, and and again, you know, you're obviously doing it well in advance uh, of of the the actual beginning of the season. How many events? Uh, first off, how many events do you have? typically in, in a season, and is there a cap that you, a number that you have? Like, for instance, the Epson Tour, uh, we just had Mike Nichols on here just a moment ago. They seem to settle around uh, a full season of 21 events. Is that uh, what you have or are working to, or what is the sort of the cap for you guys? Well, that's actually a good transition into our women's game with the, with the Women's All-Pro Tour, the WAPT. Uh, well, you know, we are partnered with the, the Epson Tour uh, with Mike and Heather Donofrio at the LPGA, and we've, uh, we've got a fantastic partnership that provides opportunities for the women that do play the, the WAPT. Our schedule is a bit limited because of that partnership. Um, mm -hmm. We host a PXG race to Stage 2, which we're happy to have PXG come on board this year, which is uh, really exciting for the girls, but we have to be finished with our schedule right before uh, first stage of qualifying school. So if anybody's familiar with the women's game, the LPGA qualifying school is in Palm Desert area in the middle of August. So our schedule is pretty much limited to uh, the early August, late July timeframe. And then pending weather, you know, this year we're starting in March. So really March through August 1st is, is when we can run tournaments. Uh, so if you if you look at the weeks to give the ladies time off in between events, get some rest in there. Also for our travel schedule for staff, it's generally between 12 and 14 events. This year for 2022 we have 13. So it's a pretty tight window when we have to get these events in for the ladies. Uh, but mm -hmm. you know we seem to find a way to get it done, and and we may have to start earlier in the season to to accomplish the goal and get everybody on the schedule that wants to be on.
Now, you, you mentioned that um, you obviously sort of have the men's and then you have now the, the, the WAPT. Um, did you start with the, the All-Pro Tour first, um, and then when did sort of the WAPT sort of come on board, or were they pretty much at the same time? No, the men's tour, the, the APT has been through a number of different names. Back when Adams Golf was prevalent in the game, uh, we had the Tight Lies Tour when Adams was the title sponsor okay. on the men's side, and then it moved to the Adams Pro Tour Series. Um, so the, the men's side has been around for 26 years. So we stumbled across the, the, the ladies uh, in that we had several – women that were caddying for men that actually played as conditional players on the Symmetra Tour that had asked us if we'd ever thought about getting into the women's game. And that, I believe that was back in 2017, 18 time frame. And, and I said, well, well, we'll certainly look into it. And, you know, four short years later, we're, we're fully into the women's game as well. And we, and we love it. Excellent. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What do you like most about what you do? You know, Cindy, that's been that's been the reason I've stayed in this business. I can certainly say golf is not an easy business to uh, make money in as a business. Uh, but what you do find is you meet some incredible people. Um, not a lot of people know this, but each one of our tournaments is partnered with a local nonprofit group, similar to the PGA and the LPGAs. We we like to bring the athletes to town, and we like to tie into charities so that we're giving back as well as, as putting on a great event. And when you have those connections, it brings sponsors, and when the sponsors come on, you, you get to meet some incredible people. So... Um, I've seen some amazing areas of the, of the country through these events, small towns, big towns, it doesn't matter, but the people have really made this business uh, a fun business. That's awesome. Agree. Agree. What's the most difficult part? Uh, really selling the the athletes and the what they're going to become. Um, you know, I remember sitting down years ago, uh, with a sponsor group, and they and they would say, well, how are we going to sell these no-name athletes to our customers that we want to get in and to get involved and, and entertain them? And I and I just said, you know, these are the, these are the next stars of the PGA or the next stars of the LPGA, and you just have to trust the process of these these, you know, the um, Jordan Spieth of the world didn't just show up. They they started somewhere with their career, from college to developmental tours to wherever. So, and then now we've had a good track record of it. So it's it's helped us. So it's gotten a little easier when we have the Ulimi Nose of the world and the Matilda Castrons of the world who played with us in 2019, moving on and and being on the stage of the Solheim Cup. Uh, that it really helps us go to markets and sell the process of what we're doing. But that's probably the biggest challenge is is it, at our level of sports, getting people convinced that this is going to be an entertainment value and that they're going to meet these wonderful athletes before they be, become a name. Got it. That's true. Ted? You know, um, Gary, what's interesting is is the sort of further answer that uh, that question is I challenge anybody, sponsor or otherwise, to go and watch these young ladies play 
um, the answer comes real quick when you just see the, the vast talent, uh, whether they're a, um, a household name yet or not. Um, you know, I had the pleasure this past uh, December to um, visit the uh, uh, the LPGA Q Series and watching some of these young players coming off the Epson Tour um, and, and other areas as well. And uh, just amazing, the dedication and the determination and just the skill level, it just blew, blows you away. Um, but um, so I, I wanted to ask you, for for somebody that may be tuning in, that's maybe got uh, uh, a college uh, student, uh, maybe that it's playing golf right now, or or even high school, um, and wants to maybe further their, um, you know, their career into and transition to becoming a player, uh, and maybe want to get in, involved with either the WAPT or just the APT you know, for the males. Um, how do they go about doing that? What's the first step? Well, turning pro, there's not a lot of glamour in turning pro. I mean, once you've declared yourself professional, you just you do so, and you register for tournaments. Uh, going back to being an amateur is a quite a bit different process with the USGA. But I think the thing is, I, would, I always tell parents of young uh, women or even young men to analyze the process of where they've been and how much competition they've had in their lives. But the big thing is getting mm-hmm. competitions. It, on the men's side, most of the men go through four years of college, um, and right. the guys that end up getting to the PGA Tour are, are really top world-class collegiate players. On the women's side, they t- there's quite a few that don't go to college, so it's it's a big difference between the men's world and the women's world, and more young and young, uh, younger women are turning professional. However, I mm-hmm. always caution them to say, listen, you, you need to get as much competition as an amateur as you can, play at the highest level mm-hmm. as you can because there are some stipulations about turning professional as a woman. Um, I think the Epson tour, you need to be 17 to play the LPJ. You need to be 18 right. to play. So if you're a 15 year old, uh, high school player and you're beating the world right now, turning pro right now doesn't get you anything because you're not allowed to play in those next levels anyway. So continue as an amateur, right. find top, top level amateur events, uh, we do allow amateurs to play. We do have some stipulations on the women's side that they be uh, collegiately ranked and also world golf ranked to participate mm-hmm. because we generally are a professional tour. But I, right. I always caution them on turning pro right away. Uh, we need to find a, find a way to, to play through your amateur career and then, and then decide at a later date to turn pro. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of ladies that come out of college that are just ready. I mean, Caitlin Papp, who graduated from the University of Texas recently, uh, turned pro and played us and won two events right away, and then eventually went to Q School and got her LBGA card right away. So there are those type of athletes that have the talent to just move on right away, and then there's others that it takes a little bit more time. But you really need to be careful with the process, otherwise you're, you're kind of stuck and you don't have anywhere to play if you turn pro too early. Well, excuse me, I think the other aspect of it, too, is the education. I mean, you know, you don't want to pass up the opportunity to get a good, solid education along the way because, as as you know, and, and Sydney can attest to as well, there's a lot of um, up-and-coming players, both male and female, that get out there and suddenly realize, well, wow, this is a lot tougher than I thought out here on the Epson Tour or the LPJ or uh, even the PJ Tour, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, suddenly uh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's a little tougher 
you need to have something certainly to fall back on. And uh, so I think it's you're exactly right. I think you don't want to jump the the gun on that, particularly as you said for the for the women's uh, uh, side of things, because uh, again, you know, if you're 15 or what have you, um, you've got to wait a couple of years before you can even get out. Um, and also too, I think you you've got to sort of you know build your chops, if you will. Uh, in, in a lot of events, and there is so much competition. I want to ask you, uh, focus on the, the women's side of things for just a moment. Um, you know, we've noticed over the last several years a big uptick in interest in women's golf, uh, not just at the tour level, but just women coming to the game, both young and, and mature women as well. Are you seeing that represented in the WAPT? Are you seeing a much larger interest coming out on the women's side? I mean, the men's, I know, has been like that for uh, for quite some time, I'm sure. But um, are you noticing that over the last several years as more and more young girls particularly get interested in the game? Uh, we are, and we've seen it in the short three years that we've op- operated women's professional golf tournaments. We've seen the talent level in particular uh, increase greatly. Um, a few years ago when we first got into it, there was there was a few players that I would say week in and week out that could win. Now when we look at the the ladies that are teeing it up, you know, it's gotten a lot deeper. Um, I'm not sure the overall numbers of, of ladies have, have increased mm. dramatically, but they are increasing, and I am seeing more and more young girls at our events mm. coming out to watch the ladies play and to, and to meet them, and we've seen that growth over the last few years. So I, I'm really encouraged with that. I'm also seeing uh, a lot of girls that decide to go ahead and go to college because they want to get that education and get that more experience. So, yes, we're seeing that. We're also seeing it on the sponsor side. Um, mm. you know, we, we've always had a good track record of having sponsors on our men's tour because of the success we've had with Bubba Watson and some of these others that graduated off of us. But the women's side is where we get the most calls right now. We want to get involved with your right. women's tour. How can we get involved? And that just kind of is a testament to how strong the game is on the women's side right now. And I'm really encouraged what I see with the LPGA and the Epson Tour and all the things that are going on. I think that's just going to perpetuate the growth of women's game in general. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And just, I, I just have one more uh, question I want to ask. I was, you know, on uh, looking at uh, some of the information on uh, off of your websites and that. And uh, I noticed obviously this is uh, somewhat of a family business, of course, K&G. Um, your son Cody is involved. What uh, role does he play uh, in, in K&G? Well, my son, uh, he's basically in the operations side. He, he really oversees the cost side of the business, which golf tournaments can be very costly. I mean, we have 12 employees. We have uh, two full staffs for each tour, and he kind of oversees all of that operation. He recently uh, was, was a graduate of University of Dallas and uh, – got his MBA and has really shown an interest when he got out of school in the game. And, you know, when we started this business 29 years ago, uh, we really had no idea we'd be at where we're at today and that the kids would want to get involved. And it's really, it's really nice to see uh, when you're, when your kids have interest in what you've been doing for so long. I mean, they really grew up with it. So uh, they were at mm-hmm. golf tournaments when they were young kids. And uh, my youngest has decided to, to jump on board. Yeah, I think that's fantastic, and and you know you kind of have to let them grow as they see fit, and and uh, obviously being exposed to the game. I think that's really the trick, and why you're seeing uh, more and more uh, younger folks, particularly the young girls, as they get more exposed to the game, 
uh, you can't help but kind of get bitten by the bug. Um, you know, when you don't know that much about it or you don't maybe have people in your family that really play or you don't get exposed that way, it's very difficult. And I've always said this is why I would love to see golf become more mainstream in the school system like so many other sports are because, um, you know, they don't equate it with like football, baseball, which you see in, in so many other different levels of, of the uh, area in, in schools and so forth. And it's only, you know, typically at high school or collegiate level that you start to begin to see it. So I would really love to see that more because then you'd get, I think, more younger uh, kids and that interested in playing golf. And uh, obviously that's uh, a win-win for everybody. Um, Cindy, any final questions or, or comments? When do we kick off? We kick off next week in southern Louisiana in Houma, just south of uh of New Orleans with our home of golf classic on the women's side. So we're really excited about that. We're right at uh, 95 women that are going to be descending in Southern Louisiana. And we're looking forward to it. The weather looks like it's going to be a fantastic week. That's great. That's great. Thank you for what you do. This is so needed. Of course. Yep. That's great. And what are the websites, uh, Gary, if, if the listeners want to go and check it out? Uh, I know you've got two for the tours, Nat, and then if they want to reach out to you, uh, whether it be um, for sponsorship opportunities or uh, or maybe other uh, opportunities as well, uh, give us some contact information that people can reach out. Great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, for the women's tour, the WAPT uh, Women's All Pro Tour website is WAPT.golf. And the men's is apt.golf, uh, pretty simple. And uh, my contact information is on each one of those websites. It's, it's easy to find okay. me and just give me a shout and let me know how we can uh, help bring professional golf to a community. Well, we appreciate it, and I concur what Cindy says. I think, um, you know, to be able to do that and to give opportunities to so many people and the fact that you are connected to through the various local charities and things like that and just goes to show, you know, what so many people talk about over the years that golf is one of those games that really gives back to its communities and, and uh, it's not just about playing events but it's about doing, uh, making changes in the local communities as well. So, um, Gary, we appreciate uh, what you and, and, and the rest of the folks at the K&G Sports uh, 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 business uh, are doing and and we uh, certainly support the WAPT and the APT as well Uh, and thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Ted, Cindy, thank you so much you all have a good day thank you all right right. bye bye all right Cindy Um, two great guests to start off I'm I'm excited about next week I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting a player on and uh, starting off the season what do you think yep Awesome. Great. Fantastic. All right. We want to thank everybody uh, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. And uh, for those of you that didn't uh, uh, hear the whole program, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf at the end of the show and scroll down to the on-demand section. And uh, you can uh, listen to the uh, today's broadcast or any of the broadcasts in their entirety there in the on-demand section. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf, and we will see you next week. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern 
here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.